Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. Welcome to another edition of Crosswinds Unleashed. Each week, we're dedicated to bringing the best stories and biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast breaks down the Christian life through interviews and practical instruction, hopefully in a fun and accessible way. I'm Craig Cooper, the host of this podcast and lead pastor of Crosswinds Church. Let me give a special shout out to Elijah Merrill, our producer. Everything that goes well is because of him. I will take the blame for everything else. But thank you for hanging with us. Um, We uh, appreciate you being a part of what we're doing here. Uh, I have three colleagues with me here from Crosswinds, and I want to welcome them before we get started as we have this Christmas episode. Um, Pastor Brian Soler. Hey, how are you, Craig? <laughs> Family Life Pastor here. Great to have you with us. Thanks. Then we have uh, Pastor Wendy Emerson, our student pastor here. Excited to be here. Thanks, Craig. And then, of course, Pastor Dave Wright, who's our worship arts pastor. Great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. We are going to be talking about sort of the the account of the Magi, the wise men, on, on the Christmas story. Now, before we dig into it, there are going to be some people out there who are Bible scholars who are going to go, well, come on now. The Magi weren't even there on Christmas Day. And this is what I will say to them. They may be right, but they don't know they are because they weren't there either. And so they are part of the Christmas story, whether you'd like it or not. For the rest of us, we enjoy thinking of them showing up at the same time. Truth be told, they probably didn't, but we'll still uh, we'll still dig into this and, and not spend a whole lot of time uh, talking about things we're not really sure of. Um, but we do know they arrived, and so I'm, I've asked uh, Pastor Dave if he would just take some time and read us through Matthew uh, chapter two, verses one through twelve. Give us the, the sort of the context of what we'll be discussing. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east. To Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned all the the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it, had ro- when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So it's interesting, you know, next to the shepherds who are part of the Christmas account as well, um, we have these wise men, these magi who come and visit Jesus. And the gospel writers want us to know about these two groups, which is really interesting to me that they they choose to, to pick these two groups. We assume other people might have visited Christ, but we, we don't have any uh, recording of that. But we know these two groups did. So let's just start with this question. What do you think, why do you think these magi were, were called by God to visit the Christ child? 
Like, why these magi, these wise men? Uh, well, I think it's just important to, like, sometimes I think we can read scripture and you can read it so quickly, you can get a lot out of it. But unless you really dig into the context, it kind of loses a lot of its meaning. So, like, what even is a magi, you know? And uh, they were magicians, but not like the ones that we know today that go to birthday parties. But, you know, they looked at astrology and wisdom and magical incantations when they did their work. And they weren't Jews, so they lived kind of far off. And I think that's really important. Like, they were pagans. They were Gentiles. And there's probably a couple different reasons why they came. But I think a pretty massive statement that God makes is Jesus is king of the Jews, and yet he calls Gentiles to come witness, giving a pretty clear statement that this is Jesus, king of the world, not just of the Jews. So yeah. That's great. And, and some have even said that the, the Magi within their own culture were kingmakers in the sense that they would recognize somebody um, within their culture who would be the king without their official word. Um, that that wouldn't be happening within their culture. And so here they are saying, here is the king. They're acknowledging that. So it's an interesting reality. Any other thoughts as we think about God calling the, these magi, these wise men to come and visit the Christ child? I just think part of it is seeing God's promise fulfilled, right? I mean, these these magi, they I, I related to like the Israelites where they were on this long journey. The magi went on this long journey to see God's promise fulfilled through the birth of Jesus and I think that was a fresh perspective coming at it again this time, reading this account again, um, is just being reminded that this is the birth of a new king. And, you know, we read about it, we hear the stories, we hear the prophecies, but to actually see it lived out for the first time. That's great. Why do you think Herod and all Jerusalem, it says that that, um, Herod and Jerusalem, Jerusalem were troubled by the Magi and this birth of this new king. Why why do you think all of Jerusalem was was sort of in an uproar about this? Well, I'd say uh, power. I mean, it's like anything else. uh, People don't want to lose their power. And so this thought of there's a king that's not Herod, that's not the people who are enjoying their power, you know, that uh, kings get power. And so I think that was it's a scary moment for him. That's that's what I think. And, and it's not like they even say, "Where's one of your children to be king?" They're looking for someone totally outside exactly, the dynasty. Yeah, really good point. <laughs> yeah, and Herod was known to be ruthless, so the people of Jerusalem were probably thinking, "Uh oh." <laughs> I find it interesting right. too that Herod had a nickname or he had a title, and his title at that time was King of the Jews. And so when these magi approach and say, "Hey, we're looking for the King of the Jews," like you know, in his mind, like you're staring at him, you know, what are you, what are you talking about? And so, yeah, deeply troubled. And, you know, there's just so many reports of him becoming, him becoming increasingly paranoid. The older he gets, I think he had like 10 wives. He began killing wives and sons because he was so paranoid about losing power. Uh, He was not Jewish descent. He was only in power because of the Roman empire. And yet, so here's this kind of foretold prophecy of this uh, Davidic king coming. And uh, like Dave just said, you know, that's a lot of power to lose. And I don't think he wanted to lose it. What's your reaction that this king that's going to be born, Christ, um, isn't born in the capital, is not born in Jerusalem, he's not born in a palace. I mean, he's born in in a stable, right? And uh, modest means, you know, how how does that speak to you? It's hard to answer that question just a little bit because we don't live in like a monarch system. So, um, I just have always heard this story, but I think it's like shocking, but it's also something that was foretold. So if you knew the scriptures, you wouldn't be shocked to hear 
In fact, you'd probably celebrate the accuracy of, of the prophecy, you know, him coming from Bethlehem. But if you didn't know the scriptures, you would probably discredit the claim that the king of the Jews had come because he didn't come in the capital or Jerusalem or in a palace. So I think like it's kind of split on what you knew and what you didn't know at that time. Sure. Yeah. I'd say it makes sense to us now, right? But looking back on it, but I mean, that seems pretty revolutionary that he didn't come from Jerusalem, you know, or from a kingly family as far as anybody's concerned. That would definitely be odd to me. How about um, when Herod says, let me know if you find him and where you find him so I can come and worship him? You know, I mean, what, what does that say about Herod? Well, what were his intentions, right? What, what, was, what was he really meaning behind that question? Did he really want to worship him or was he trying to get the inside scoop so he could have his own way in that situation? We certainly find out later, right, right. that in a dream, the Magi are, are warned, right? Don't go, don't go back and tell Herod, head back a different way. And of course, Herod does a horrendous thing in, in Bethlehem, uh, murdering children three and under uh, to try to wipe out uh, this newborn king. And so, yeah, so you, you do see sort of the treacherous nature of Herod in the account there. Yeah, I, you'd see the duplicity of Herod on full display. And like I said earlier, you know, if we don't have the full context, we can really lose just kind of the significance of these moments. And he was a disgusting, terrible human being. And the events you just described, I mean, going into a town and killing toddlers uh, down to infants, like it makes your stomach turn. If you have kids like that, that's a historical fact that happened. And this was a madman on the hunt for the king of the world. And Without the Lord's intervention, uh, telling the Magi to go south and not to return, like the events could have been much different, but obviously God had a will. And when God has a will, you know, he makes a way. But What do you make of the gifts they brought? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Like it's an interesting list to, to deliver to a baby. Like I've never been to a baby shower. Maybe, maybe, maybe gold. I don't know if I've ever seen gold given, but gold, frankincense, and myrrh I've never seen uh, delivered to a, to a child. Right. I'd say, you know, gold is, is, uh, shows earthly kingship, you know, would be part of it. I mean, that's what kings I have is gold. And then, uh, you know, one of the things when I was thinking about frankincense and myrrh, it was just that, uh, they actually have antimicrobial, uh, properties. And so what a great gift for a, a mom and a newborn baby. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, that was probably pretty common back then, but, um, you know, beyond that, there's other meanings too, but, um, uh, but just, you know, that'd be great for a mom to have for a baby is to <laughs> get rid of microbes <laughs> as little as they knew <laughs> about they, that kind of stuff. Before they even knew they existed, right? <laughs> but just knowing that there's health yes. in yeah. something. Very nice. Very nice. I think, you know, we could probably, I've heard pastors dig into all three of these and the symbolic nature of them and how they pertain to Jesus' life. But I, I, again, I just, as I was preparing for this, you know, there's some experts that believe that the Magi had to travel 900 miles to get to where Jesus was. And I don't even think they fully knew who they were going to see to worship, you know, but they knew that something pretty significant had happened. So yeah, they brought some precious metal and some really rare, valuable, you know, saps, I think it was that was used, frankincense and myrrh. But I think what's like crazy to think about is when you read that story a little further, when Herod does go on that kind of killing spree, Joseph has a dream and that's to go to Egypt. And so I was like, man, like they had money and resource to now do that. And so if it wasn't for the Magi's intervention, and it's not necessarily described, but you just kind of, you can kind of piece together that, gosh, that gold probably came in handy to buy shelter and food in Egypt, as well as the frankincense and myrrh. And so the Magi just gave a gift. It's the best they had. And wow, that seemed to really help in the long run. 
That's great. This God's divine plan being worked out. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting to me, too, that, you know, he speaks to uh, these magi who are known as to be astronomers, you know, and to, by a star. You know, and so God, God is always reaching out to us, and He meets us where we're at. And in this account, it's just, it's just so interesting that they see this, this, uh, you know, this astrological anomaly, and they they assume that you know they somehow figure out that this is pointing toward the king. I mean, there's a lot of things that they had to sort of be. Uh, sort of thinking about in order to get there. I mean, I don't, we don't know if they had Old Testament scriptures. We don't know. I mean, you know, what, what's going... But God is drawing them, you know, in this in this unique way uh, to come and see the Christ child. And I love, Brian, you were talking about the fact that these are Gentiles. These aren't these aren't Jews. I mean, these are, these are pagans. And, and it just shows that Christ isn't just the king of the Jews. You know, he's a king, I think, Dave, you were saying king of the universe, right? King of the world. Uh, King of all. And so it, it's just a beautiful picture of God's love um, for people. When you look at the account overall, like what what do you take from it? You know, I mean, it's in Scripture. It happened. It's it's history. So part of the reason why it's in the Word, because it's history. And and um, Matthew um, was inspired to let us know that these people visited him. But when you take and say, well, it's beyond the observation application, what, what sort of jumps out at each of you? Wendy, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think, you know, I come at this from a, a perspective of I came into my relationship with Christ through recovery. And so I think about my own journey and I think about, you know, the Lord saying, don't return to King Herod. And I, I sort of internalize that to say, don't go back to your old life, right? Don't go back to the way things were because we're all on this journey. We're all chasing the star. We're all trying to seek the things of God and we can't do it in reverse. We can't, we can't go back and... Like the Magi, their journey wasn't easy, and our journey isn't easy either. But once we start that journey, we're not supposed to go back to the way things were, I think, to, to just continue to seek the future. And so that was sort of how I, as I looked at this with fresh eyes, that was what I took away this time around. Dave, what do you think? I think uh, just trusting in God is what comes to mind, that no matter what, uh, even when it doesn't make sense, you know, for, especially for these Magi to travel who knows how many miles uh, to a foreign kingdom to pay their respects to a foreign foreign god basically and uh and then to follow god's leading in their life of of uh you know these dreams to not return to herod who asked them to return and the the dangers that all that involves but just trusting in him even when it doesn't make sense i think that's that's what i see how about you Brian? yeah you know every time uh I read the Christmas story. It's like, I've read this so many times, but there's just so many things that pop out to you that are new. And I just was reminded, you know, this is the God of all creation. And so, I mean, he could have just arrived as an adult and strong, but, and yet he came as a infant, like the most fragile thing I could ever think of. And if God can, uh, if God or God can and will use anybody or anything to accomplish his will. And I think I just see that over and over in the story. There were just so many times when this little precious infant was in danger. And the Lord used Gentiles. He used pagans. He used Jews. He'd use anything to get his will uh, to be accomplished. And I think if, if that's our heart, if that's our purpose is to seek the things of God and to see that his will is our will, then he's going to intervene in our life and make all of that happen. He did it the Christmas story. He'll do it in our lives here all these years later. I love in Matthew's gospel, you know, he, he, um, when he gives sort of the genealogy of Christ, 
He names people within the genealogy, some women, by the way, that typically in that day weren't named in, in, in a genealogy, but he also uh, picks Gentiles and others who are sort of in this story. And then when he comes and, and shares, you know, obviously inspired by the Spirit, but as he, as he shares the account of Christ's birth, you know, we hear of shepherds, we hear of, we hear of magi coming, and and it just shows that that God really is reaching out to everyone, and, and I think the the beauty of the of the Christmas story is this this introduction to God's love. You know, not not that the rest of the Scripture hadn't spoken of God's love, but it's this unique right gospel, the good news. And Matthew wants us, I believe, to know from the very beginning that Christ is Christ to everyone. He's Savior to everyone. He's reaching out. I mean, from the beginning of time, within the genealogy of Christ, you see woven in people who you wouldn't have expected to be in his in his uh, genealogy, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Son of God's come, and and he he calls upon himself to to come and worship him. Shepherds, you know, who were sort of the lowest of the low within that culture in Judaism, and then he calls these pagan Gentiles to come as well. And and I just know I, encounters I have with people. They'll say things such as, you know, well, I, I believe Jesus came for people like you, because they, they, for whatever reason, because I have the pastor title, I guess, feel that that I'm, I'm, I'm holier than anyone else, which, not true, but, uh, but, but you know, they think, well, not for me, and it's like, no, definitely for you. And, and God, through inspiring Matthew, wanted us to know that he's for everybody. The lowest of the low, the the pagan, you know, it just really doesn't matter what, what your story is. When it intersects with God's story... There's something great that's going to happen, and uh, I just see that over and over again as I as I look at the whole Christmas account, but especially as I look at these magi, these wise men, who were totally outside of Judaism, and yet Matthew says, not really. God has brought them in because Lord's the Lord of everyone. We're, we're all His children. He's calling all of us. Well, what? Let's let's speak final thoughts here. Um, we'll go around and uh, and share a little bit. Brian, start us out. You know, just as you. Christmas is here, you know, next week oh, uh, will be a special Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve episode. Um, but, you know, right in the midst of the season here, um, what are some final thoughts dealing with this account and just Christmas in general? Sure. Um, like I said, uh, I don't know how long uh, the listeners have been uh, believers for, or if they're not even a believer, or how many times you've heard the Christmas story. Um, every time you read it, I think God wants to show you something unique and new out of it. Uh, you know, I just got a little bit of time to, to kind of read through and learn about Magi. And there's just still so much he's revealing and showing. And I mentioned earlier, you know, if we don't understand context, much of what God is trying to communicate to us can be lost. You'll still get something, but there's just such a, a fullness and a richness there. And so, yeah, even if you think, you know, uh, if you know it by heart, the Christmas story, dig in, read, investigate, and what a better uh, time to spend some time with your family and do this as well as we think of Christmas. That's great. Wendy? You know, I just think as I was listening to Brian and Dave and then yourself, I just love how um, when we open God's Word, wherever it is we're in our lives particularly, God's Word can speak to us in a unique and different way. And so I'm encouraged as we go into the Christmas season and as we, you know, celebrate the birth of, of our Lord who was utterly dependent, as Brian said, that, you know, we too, if we if we look to God and His Word— uh, we can trust in being utterly dependent on him as as if we were own, our own, you know, infants ourselves. So, uh, I'd reiterate what you already said, Craig. Is uh, you know that God is for everybody in in all times and in, in from Jew to Gentile and everything in between. And that's such a cool truth to watch him, you know, weave that into the, the birth story of, of uh, you know, involving other people and really cool, really cool truth. 
Well, it, it's it's great to to have you uh, listen in on, on what we're discussing here. You, you can tell that I have one of the best jobs in the world, uh, not just uh, to be able to be a part of this podcast and interview some amazing people and hear their stories firsthand, uh, but also to work uh, with a crew like this and uh, just for the love for their for the Lord, for the church family, for their families, uh, is is just such an honor. Uh, again, next week, uh, we will be releasing on Christmas Eve, uh, the Christmas Eve uh, podcast. Uh, you won't want to miss that. Um, if you are in the area uh, of Canadegua, uh, we have Christmas Eve services next week. I would encourage you to go to crosswinds.church uh, to learn more about those services. If you're listening to this after Christmas Eve, um, still go to crosswinds.church, but if you sign up, it'll be from a year from now. Uh, so you'll, you'll want to be careful with that. But but go to crosswinds.church. You can learn about all things Crosswinds. You can connect with us. Um, if you have some ideas for the podcast, we would love to, love to hear from you. Uh, but for now, be blessed and bless others as you are experiencing this Christmas season. Uh, know that my prayers are with you as you celebrate Christ and as as Brian pointed out, if you know the Lord, I pray that this will be a rich season of just growing deeper with Him. And if you don't know the Lord, I pray that you will receive the greatest gift anyone can receive, and that is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ uh, by saying yes to Him as Lord and Savior. Uh, Christmas speaks of Easter, which means that the birth of Christ is coming and moving into our neighborhood, speaks to Him dying for our sins and, and being resurrected for our salvation. And as we receive Him as Savior and Lord, um, we're not only made right with God, but we're his children, and we get to walk with him. And we have the, we have the sure assurance uh, that we'll spend eternity with him in heaven, but our walk with him begins today. He says, you'll never be alone. I will be with you. And so I hope uh, you either have received the gift and are walking in that truth, or even now, in the quietness of where you're listening to this, maybe it's not a quiet place, I don't know, but in your quietness of your heart, you'll just take the time to to receive the great Christmas gift of, of Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, for now, uh, thanks for tuning in, and I uh, can't wait to, to have you join us next week with our special Christmas Eve service. Hope wherever you're at, have a great day, great night, whatever you're listening to this. Talk to you later.